0: My wife, Sarah, and I are back. We were gone last weekend, and uh, we had an opportunity to get away and uh, spend some time in Colorado where the air is uh, not humid, and the low temperatures are in the 40s at night. Praise Jesus. Uh, But we are back, um, and I tell you, it's you guys that bring us back to this climate. Because we love, if I could somehow transplant all of you guys and Pastor Sean would say, let's start a church up there, then it'd be like, let's do it. But no, this God is doing something here. And we're so glad to be back in Journey Church this week. Now, Pastor Sean and Becca are, we just kind of tag teamed off. And they are just now getting back from their time in the same place in Colorado. In fact, I believe I have, we have a picture we can put up. That's them on an adventure on the top of a mountain somewhere. And I can just, looking at that picture, I I know exactly what that air feels like going into your lungs. It's so wonderful. But uh, they are just getting back from their time to get away and have some time together. And uh, I'm so glad that they were able to do that. But Pastor Sean uh, arranged for this weekend, when he knew he was going to be out, to have a take five message today. And many of you have seen one of these. These are really uh, awesome times that we have where we have five people that speak for about five minutes. Not always, but uh, that's, the, that's kind of the idea. And they come up and, and, and they just share whatever God has been speaking to them. Now, I already heard... Last night, So I already know what these five messages are, but I want to tell you, um, and I don't want to precondition you too much, but I want to tell you what I heard last night reminded me of the Bible in the way that the Bible was created. Now, the Bible is uh, 66 books with 40 writers and one author. You, you understand what I'm saying? There were 40 writers. There was one author. Last night, uh, I heard what was supposed to be five messages. But I really heard one message with five points. And I, I'm just, I, again, I don't want to precondition you too much. Um, in fact, let's, let me go ahead and invite the, we have five ladies that are going to speak. If you guys would want to go ahead and come on up um, and I'll hand it off. Yeah, go ahead and give them a hand as they come. The only, the only little bit of foundation that I want to lay here, now that I've actually heard all of these messages, is this. These ladies heard the Holy Spirit speak to them, and they're telling you what they heard. And you're going to hear that connected A consistent theme woven throughout all of these messages. They they didn't get together. They didn't work this out. But you're going to hear the consistency of the message from the Holy Spirit. So you're going to be blessed. Have your heart open for this. And we're going to start off with Kelly Poole. So give Kelly a hand.
1: Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Um, So I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered why God gives us dreams? I mean, think about it, he doesn't have to. When he gives us dreams, he only tells a portion of what's going to happen, and he could do things faster and more efficiently by himself, but God loves us, and he wants us to be involved in what he's doing, and he's a fun God, and so sometimes he gives us dreams, or maybe he's given you a promise or a vision And as with everything, God gives us direction in His Word what to do with these. So, Genesis 37 introduces us to 17 year old Joseph, and God had given him two dreams. And basically, with both dreams, his family was bowing down to him. But how is that going to happen? And my first point that I believe God wanted me to share is that when God gives us a dream or a promise, it's His responsibility to work out the details. And our responsibility is to stay faithful to Him. And keep our hearts pure. And so Joseph's brothers, they're jealous of him to the point of hatred. They sell him to a caravan that's headed to Egypt and where he's sold as a slave. But listen to what Genesis 39, 2 and 3 says. So the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So think about this. When Joseph came to Egypt, he didn't know the language or the customs or the culture, but he didn't wait for the situation to get better to be blessed by the Lord. He stayed faithful to the Lord, and he kept his heart pure no matter the circumstances. And he understood that God orders our steps and our stops. He was a slave for over 10 years, And then he was put in prison after being falsely accused. And by outward circumstances or appearances, it looked like his dreams were becoming less and less a reality. But God's plan was right on track. And listen what Genesis 39, 21, and 23 says when Joseph was put in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So verse 21 says that the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him steadfast love. But Joseph was still in prison. And his situation stunk, like literally, (laughs) and on so many levels. And I don't think that this steadfast love was talking about warm fuzzies from God all the time, but it was his provision It was his favor and divine appointments and so on. And recently, a friend and I, we were fasting and praying, and an issue from months uh, before had resolved. And God spoke to her, and he said, recognize that I did that and acknowledge it. And he was teaching us to see when his hand was moving, to see his steadfast love, and to give him thanks and praise for it. And when we do this, it keeps our heart in the right place, and it keeps us in the right lane for God's blessing and provision. And I believe that that's what Joseph did continually, and that's why his Egyptian master and the prison guards saw that God was with them, and that it was God who gave him success. And I wonder, too, if at nights, when the prison was quiet, if Joseph didn't remind himself of God's faithfulness to his great-grandfather Abraham, who also waited years for a promise to be fulfilled. So listen to what uh, Romans 4, 20 and 21 says about Abraham. He did not waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So maybe Joseph's told himself, you know, God was faithful to my grandfather and he's going to be faithful to me. He spoke words of faith over his life. And through a series of events, Joseph is taken from the prison to before the pharaoh of Egypt, who ironically had had a dream. And when the pharaoh asked him if he could interpret the dream, Joseph said, I can't, but God can. And then again, we get a glimpse of Joseph's heart. Here he had the opportunity and the chance to promote himself and maybe save his neck. Instead, he gave glory to God. At this this point... There were 13 years that had passed since God had given him the dreams, and there is no doubt that he had opportunity to let unforgiveness and bitterness in or anger or depression and become self-absorbed. So how did he not? I believe it's because he refused to let his surroundings and situation become his focus. He chose to focus on the Lord. And how do we do that? Here's our surroundings and situation And we look up and we keep that focus on the Lord. So God catapults Joseph to second highest in the land of Egypt. Seven more years pass, and famine comes, which brings his brothers to Egypt for food, who bow before him. And Joseph's dreams are fulfilled. So it was a long time in coming for Joseph, but it was perfect timing on God's timetable. And I want to share my story. So a long time ago, I was at church and the pastor was preaching in Isaiah, and I looked down, and like a verse just jumped off the page, and I had a real encounter with God, and as I read Isaiah 42, 6, it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking this directly to me, and he said, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people and as a light to the nations, and you can see <clears throat> a picture from that Bible right there. It was such a profound moment that I dated it right then, July 9th, 1984. And through the years, I kept thanking God, someday I'm going to go to nations and I'm going to share your light. And uh, through a total God setup, I was able to become a nurse. I signed up to go on a medical missions stream at one point, and I landed in Zambia, Africa, ready to share the Lord on July 9th, 2013. 29 years to the day after God gave me that promise. So if God's given you a promise or a dream and you're waiting for it to be fulfilled, begin to recognize and acknowledge God moving. Don't call it coincidence or luck. And be encouraged that God is ordering your steps and your stops for a purpose. And I'm gonna end with this. So Joseph Stanley moved to Egypt during the famine 70 people came, but over the next 400 years, God would grow them into a nation of over 2 million before he delivered them from Egypt. So where Joseph's dream ended is where God started to build their nation. So we don't know who or what is on the other side of that dream or promise, and it may seem so personal but we may not have a clue on the impact that it can have. And so I believe that's why God is asking us today to stay faithful to him, keep our hearts pure, and he'll take care of the rest. Thank you.
2: Good job. All right, so my name is Becky DeWitt. For those of you who don't know me, Um, So, this is going to be fun. Um, I've titled this message, uh, Pain in the Process Brings Joy in the Journey. So, how many of you have ever started a DIY project, uh, a self-paced online class, or maybe a fitness challenge, and you were super excited to get it started, you could see the end results were going to be amazing, and you couldn't wait to get all the way through it, and so you got started except that um, the DIY project, of course, took much longer than you realized. It was much more detailed. The online class was much more advanced than you realized, and you injured yourself the first day of your fitness challenge. So what started out as excitement and ready to go became pain in the process. Now, on a bigger scale than a, a project, a class, or a fitness challenge. Um, Tom and I, my husband, we were in a season years ago where we were excited about our future. We had just moved to a new city, we had new jobs, and we were ready for what was next. But what we were not ready for was the unexpected delays and disappointments. Things were out of my control, and I was being tested, my faith was being tested, and I was losing hope. It was fading. We needed God like never before. Now, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 tells us, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. And Hebrews goes on to tell us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I knew I needed faith in this circumstance. In my life, I needed faith. But it was very shaky under this amount of pressure. And I began to doubt God. I became full of fear and wondering, is this ever going to change? I then became, uh, I had shame, thinking I had done something wrong I was at a place where I didn't just need physical answers, I needed a spiritual healing. I was faced with, do I believe God is who he says he is, and can do the impossible in my life, or will I walk away with more fear and doubt than ever before? So not only was this the first time that my faith had been tested, and with, with this much pressure, Holy Spirit was revealing himself to me. In a deeper way, I knew him as someone who gave gifts or the fruit of the Spirit, but he was revealing himself to me as a friend, as a counselor, and a, and a guide that I had not known before. So as he began to show me what was going on in my life and in my heart, and I was seeking God, I was praying, I was reading scripture. Holy Spirit began to highlight things. Just as Kelly mentioned, the scriptures jumping off the page. That's what was happening to me. So I was reading in Romans 4, as Kelly mentioned, and Pastor Aaron mentioned, we did not talk about this. So this is what's really cool. So in Romans 4, where Paul is writing about it, what looks like to trust God, Paul shares about Abraham and the relationship he had with God. Abraham believed God. God accepted Abraham's faith. And so his faith made him right with God. Romans 4 goes on to talk about the covenant promise God gave him about being the father of many nations. So I was reading in the Message Bible, and we're going to read verses 13 through 15 in Romans 4. It says this. That famous promise God gave Abraham that he and his children would possess the earth was not given because of something Abraham did or would do. It was based on God's decision to put everything together for him, which Abraham then entered when he believed. If those who get what God gives them only get it by doing everything they're told to do, filling out all the right forms, properly signed, that eliminates personal trust completely and turns the promise into an ironclad contract. That's not a a holy promise. That's a business deal. A contract drawn up by a hard-nosed lawyer with plenty of fine print only makes sure that you will never be able to collect. But if there's no contract in the first place, simply a promise, and God's promise at that, you can't break it. I finally saw what was going on in my heart. I had a wrong belief in who God is. I was treating my relationship like a business deal. I thought if I did all the right things, checked all the right boxes, then I would get a blessing. And when that wasn't happening, I thought I had done something wrong. I truly did not understand what faith was I didn't understand God's love, his grace. I didn't understand what truly trusting God looked like. And that wasn't all. So, also in Romans 4, Abraham didn't look at his impossible situation and doubt God. It says he kept believing God's promise. He became strong in his faith. Abraham believed in the God who called Something out of nothing. God called Abraham a father before he was a father. God calls those things that are not as though they are. And after reading that, I realized that my thoughts were not lining up with what God was saying. My belief, my, my uh, things, the words I was saying did not line up with God's word. I was saying, I can't, I won't. I will never. I had so much fear and doubt coming out of my mouth that it was not lining up with the promises. And so Holy Spirit began to show me how to make that course correction, how to change that, how to get rid of the fear. Because you can't have fear and faith living in the same at the same time. One of them has to go. So Holy Spirit was showing me how to do that, to renew my mind with the Word, reading the scriptures daily, learning how to abide in Christ. This was something I couldn't rush through. I needed to take time and allow this process to happen. So what started out as excitement and then turned pain into the process was beginning to have, I was beginning to have joy in this journey because my relationship with the Holy Spirit was, was growing. My relationship with God was being renewed. I understood that he loved me first, that he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. He is a promise keeper. He's for me, not against me. And no matter what pressure I was facing at the time or would face in the future, being in the presence of God was all that mattered. Being with him, knowing that he is all I need, he is all that you need, and we can rest in that fact. So, if you're listening to this and you're experiencing right now pain in the process, I am here to bring hope that God loves you He is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. Get your hopes up. Put your trust in him. Line up your faith with his promises and see how your pain will turn into joy in your journey. Thank you. And now we're Kelsey.
3: Yeah, so I'll be sharing part three of the sermon. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kelsey Poor, and I'm the daughter of Sarah and Aaron Poor, the associate pastor here at Journey Church. Um, who in here has heard my dad preach? Okay, I understand you might be a little nervous right now. You might be wondering, will I finish the sermon in time? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> But um, speaking of my dad, I do want to say that he is literally one of the wisest pers- people that I have ever known in my life. And I pray that I follow in his footsteps in his wisdom and his relationship with God and his love for other people. But if I could pick a theme of what God's been teaching me the last several years of my life, it would be trust. And somehow I've managed... <laughs> to narrow it down to two points um, of what we can do to trust God on a deeper level. And they're very simple, but if we can really grasp these and settle them in our hearts and our lives, then they can change our perspective to cause us to walk in more freedom and confidence in Christ. So the first The first point, the first thing we need to do in order to trust God on a deeper level is we have to choose to believe that God is good. I said it would be simple. We have to choose to believe. I said choose because it is your choice. You're not a victim to every single thought that comes into your head. You get to choose what stays and what goes. So we have to choose to believe that God is good because when we know what kind of a person God is, when we know he's a good God, that he is the most kind and intentional and faithful person that we would ever meet, when we're confident in his character, then we can trust his ways. Because even though we might not know where he's gonna lead us or how he's gonna move all the pieces around or when he'll open the door, because we know who he is, we know he's good, then we trust his ways must be good too the second point, which I want to spend a little bit more time on, is very similar to the first point. We have to choose to believe that God is good, but we have to take that a step further and make it personal in our own lives. And we have to choose to believe that God is good to me. And honestly, I wrestled with this for way, way too long. Because why on earth would I ever question the one person who has been there through it all? who's been faithful through everything. But we still do sometimes, right? Because we look around and we see the people around us. Oh, God bless them. Oh, their prayer got answered, the door opened for them. God moved in that generation, but I'm still here and I'm still waiting and fighting and praying for my breakthrough, my healing. And so I see God's good to them, but is God good to me? And I wanna tell you this morning, the answer is yes. Yes, God is good to you. Personally and individually, God is good to you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. And so I want to encourage anybody who might be wrestling with that truth. Is God good to me? I want to encourage you to do something that I did a few years ago, when I was going through a difficult, painful time of my life, I decided that at the end of every day, no matter how good or hard or painful it was, before I went to sleep, I would grab a journal and a pen and write down at least three things that I was thankful for in that day. And I did it every single day. And you know what? Over time, it started to shift my perspective. And I started to notice things that I did not notice before. And I started to see God's goodness and his intentionality towards me in my everyday life. Because we find what we look for, right? We find what we look for. And so we need to look for his goodness. We need to become aware of his presence and his kindness toward us every single day. We need to listen more for his voice that's speaking and singing over us every single day because he is, it's just, are we listening? And so when we begin to do that, we begin to look for his goodness, we will start to see the goodness of the Lord, not only in the land of the living and the lives of the people around us, but also in our own lives personally. And so even when we're in the dark, and we're in the waiting, the in-between, and nothing makes sense, we can still trust God on a deep, solid level because we choose to believe that God is good and God is good to me. So let's give a hand to Chris as she comes to share her word with us.
4: Good morning. My name is Chris Yeager, if you don't know me, and I was asked to share uh, what's been on my heart, and I've been stuck for several months on John 17, 25 through 27, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion. You are my righteous father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you, and all those who believe in me also know you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them, so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. You know, knowing that father's love is the foundation of everything the starting place I began praying that the father would overwhelm me with his love to the degree that I would become a different person after that experience the person that I was one minute before would be a different person after that you know I think we all know about God's love but have we really experienced it fully we know about it in our head, but have we experienced it to the degree that we become a different person from that point forward? I got stuck on this scripture. When I got stuck on this scripture, I had to ask myself this question. And you know, if someone would have asked me if I know God's love, I would have said yes. But I have I experienced it fully? to where I'm a different person from that point forward. You know, true salvation is not just acknowledgement of something, but it is an experience. You become a brand new creature. Father began taking me on an experience about experiencing his love. He began showing me what it would look like, what it would feel like, what I would be like, what I would learn from it. The kind of love I'm talking about has no fear. That's what it would look like. Perfect love casts out fear. You know, most, if not all, things that we struggle with are rooted in fear. So if I'm still walking in fear, then I'm not experiencing fully that perfect love yet. The kind of love that I'm talking about, it brings you to a place where you're at peace and at rest. And that's what it would feel like. You know, if it brings you to a place where all your desires are gone except for him. For me, this tied into the purity of him showing me his completeness, his otherness. You know, if I, if I walk in purity before him, he will walk in purity before me, is what he said to me. Walking in purity for me is different than what it is for Father. For me, it means walking moral above reproach totally surrendered, giving 100% of myself to him, because Father is already moral and above reproach, giving 100% of himself to me, it would mean that I would perceive him. I would, I would sense, he, because he's already there, I would get to that, to that place there at that same place, the same wavelength, if you will. The issue is, if I walk in purity, then I can perceive and sense his love. I can perceive him. I would be in tune with him. He's not withholding anything from me. He is, he's been walking 100% before me the whole time. It's just that I wasn't able to perceive it because of the hardness of my heart. Walking moral and above reproach are outcomes to surrender, total surrender, me surrendering to him. I realized that what I had been praying for God to overwhelm me with his love wasn't exactly the right thing to pray because his love was there all the time so I've changed what I'm I'm praying now to be one of total surrender Lord I give you all of me not just part of me but 100% of me Uh, Lord I turn my eyes toward you I turn my heart toward you I turn my mind toward you they're yours I believe what Jesus prayed in John, that the Father would become even more real to us, to me, so that I could experience that same endless love that Jesus experienced. But that only happens when I surrender totally. Not because God hasn't given it, it's because I couldn't perceive it. Surrender is about getting rid of my expectations, you know, letting go of control, surrendering my will. Expectations carry with them disappointments and and frustrations. And because of that, I wasn't able to hear the Lord clearly. I wasn't able to walk, have that same wavelength, be in tune with him. I wasn't able to sense his love, his his presence fully. Your free will is the part of you that surrenders to the Holy Spirit. Let, Let me read one more scripture to you as I close. And invite you to join me on this journey. This scripture has become a life verse for me. And it's just something that has been ministering to me for a long time. And so if you're frustrated with maybe the expectations that you've been going through right now. Or maybe you haven't been hearing the Lord clearly. Or maybe if you've been in fear, maybe this is where you're at. It's Psalm 18, 20 through 24 out of the message. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, I gave, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together, and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. I've meditated and prayed over the scripture for years and now I see more than ever it's about surrendering fully to experience fully the love of the father if I walk in purity before him he will walk in purity before me he's always been walking in purity before me 100 percent before me it's just now that I can perceive it father told me you determine how surrendered you want to be And that determines how much you can perceive my love. Perfect love changes you into a different person. It rewrites the text of your life, one that has no fear. Thank you.
5: So we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming. I'm just joking. My name is Nina Jarrett. I am married to Andy Jarrett, who is this amazing gentleman in front of me right here. Um, About seven months ago, we were part of a Take Five where we talked about um, a word that was spoken over us, over our marriage, um, out of Isaiah 43, where he said, remember not the past, and um, I'm doing something new. And we used our home remodel as an illustration of what the Lord is doing in our lives and in our marriage. And I said, I remember saying that um, because the home remodel wasn't done, he wasn't done showing me uh, things that I need to see. Well, it is not done, and I'm about done if you see, I'm over here. Um, and it has been a challenge for me because sometimes when the Lord wants to show me something, I just go, I don't want to see it, Lord. I just need a minute. I just want to go in my little corner and take my minute. Suffice to say, life has been pretty hectic for me. Um, working from home, doing all of the um, dealing with the remodel and... Um, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good mom to my two boys, trying to be a good worker, leader, servant, and all of that. My plate was full. It was so full that it turned into buckets. You know, this is my mom bucket. This is my wife bucket, work bucket. And as I was going through life, um, the Lord stopped me in my tracks and invited me to do a heart check. So when I said, Lord search me. Know my thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. He did show me. And um, in the interest of time, though, I'll just share three, if that's okay. Um, The first thing that he showed me was pride. I wasn't really asking him for help. Lord, there's just so many injustice in this world. There's um, suffering and pain, and there's this whole world who doesn't know your name. I'm all right. I can take care of my little bitty problem. Um, Pride, right? Um, Lord, if I'm not the one helping this person, who will? Pride. If I'm not part of this group, what is it going to look like? Pride. I am tired and I'm exhausted, but I can make this chocolate crate. Pride. I can just bake it right now. Pride. The second thing he wants to show me was that I have some misplaced identities, that I was trying so hard to be a good wife, trying so hard to be a good mom, trying so hard to be an excellent employee. And he showed me that it's because um, I wanted to be needed and valued. The third thing he showed me was that I was just too hard on myself. When things go wrong that I'm a part of, it's my fault. And I wish I can tell you That I was acing the whole obedience department. Oh, Lord, you are showing me it's pride. I got it. I got it. I got it. Pride, get out of here. Not today. That's not what I was doing. What I was doing was I was telling the Lord that if he sees it as pride, it kind of, it's more like boldness, you know, or courageous, right? Like, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and um nope that's not it um i was using scripture to fit my narrative as if he doesn't already know what's happening inside of my heart and so i had a decision to make do i stick to my narrative and continue to find my value in those misplaced identities or do i fully surrender to the truth that my worth is not in what i can do but who i am do i continue to be too self-critical or do i create a space in my heart to receive his full grace because after all he's the god of matthew six twenty-six, who says do not worry about your life or about your body is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds he said of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns but yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they he's still the god of ephesians 3:20 who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us he's still the god of luke 5:13 where the leper uh, the man with leprosy said lord if you are willing you can make me clean and he said i am willing he was willing then he is still willing today his grace is still enough for me when there are moments when i don't have anything to give he says that's exactly where i want you to be when i say lord you have my everything that includes my nothing and my nothing is sweet to him still I felt he asked me this question, and I'd like to extend it to you, because sharing is caring. When everything we have is taken away from us, who are we? What does it look like for you and I to live in a place where what your output is and what you do is not who you are? What does it look like for you to intentionally choose to find peace in the truth that you are a son and daughter of the Most High King? That our identity is anchored in simply being a child of God. We are royalty. We, are, we belong to his kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Kind of like when you're putting on a, a button-down shirt, right? When you start from the top, everything lines up. Some people, maybe sometimes me too, I start from the bottom up sometimes. Some people start from the middle, and I don't know how you guys do it. Middle up and then down. I have no time. I have two toddlers in 10 seconds. I'm going to move on. But he's invited us to receive this truth that I'm a beloved of Christ, and that is who I am. And if I can't do anything else, It's enough that I am his child, and I am loved by him. Amen. This is just an intro, because the next person who's going to talk is Pastor Aaron. That was just a warm-up. No,
0: that was a close. That was a close. I'm not going to really talk. Did you guys see what I was saying though? Did you see how that was connected? Isn't that amazing? They didn't collaborate. Pastor Sean didn't say, no, you talk about this. You talk about this. They just said, God, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to say? And the Holy Spirit gave this one message with five points to them. Okay, so I just want to pray, and uh, we're going to just take a couple minutes and just appreciate God a little bit with the time we have left together, and then we're going to dismiss. But Lord, we just thank you right now. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are invested in our life. Lord, that you are good, but you're not just good. You're good to us. Lord, we thank you that you know the plans you have for us, Lord. You, you have a purpose and you have a plan. Lord, we can not only sit here and appreciate uh, how wonderful and how incredible you are and your ways and your kingdom, but we can be also amazed that you have called us to be a part of it. And you have given us an identity that says, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. And God, we just love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We can't get enough of you. And we want to worship you with all our heart. Amen. Let's stand up and praise one more time.